Welcome. Today is Monday, November 26th. Thanksgiving came and went along with the Blinds' playoff hopes for yet another year. From fights in the NFL and record-breaking performances to white stuff falling from the sky and single women. This episode has more excitement than a $9 million match. Let's go. This is the Matt and Muse Show with Matt Hunsler and Adam Musinski. What's up, buddy? On December 19th, the movie Titanic will be old enough to drink. That extra stat slash fact of the podcast. This is our stat slash fact of the podcast. There's still more to come. Don't worry. (laughs) That wasn't it. (laughs) So there's more to that story. Um, Adam has not seen it. Well, he's seen the movie Titanic now. But just last, in the last, last year, year, year or two, yeah. Um, it is going to be 21 years old next month, and he just saw it. So I looked up how old it was. I knew it was old. It's the last movie my parents saw in movie theaters, at least together. It's just too long. I don't have the patience to sit through it. Well, apparently don't care about people dying. Yeah, let, let's go there. Yeah. that That's I'm exactly gonna, why. I'm going to take it way overboard. <laughs> of course you are. As, as I do. It's what you do. Um, so Thanksgiving came and went. How was it? Uh, a lot of traveling. Yeah. It was all right. It was fun. I ate. No, it sucks about Thanksgiving. Okay. <laughs> Have a gripe. Sorry, family, if you're listening to me. So you plan Thanksgiving dinner at 2, and then I have another family that they plan Thanksgiving dinner at 5. So I'm supposed to eat two big meals within three hours of each other. But up until that 2 o'clock meal, I'm surviving on nuts and twigs. <laughs> it's stupid. I can't fill up before I eat my Thanksgiving dinner because then it won't be late Thanksgiving dinner. And then if I don't eat there, if I don't eat enough in their eyes, then it's going to look rude. So I have to overeat and I have to go to the next place and try to force food now. And usually I can't do that, but I do it anyway. So I go home feeling sick. That's why we have decided one family per holiday. So we don't travel. We travel like beforehand or afterwards. It's like Thanksgiving's with Mel's family, Easter's with my family, Christmas is all split up. Good for you. So get used to it. But your family's all local. Good luck. Yeah. My family's not. We've got like six Christmases this year. <laughs> Have fun with that. So speaking of Christmas, it brings up our question of the podcast <laughs> is when did you start decorating? And was your tree up before Thanksgiving? We actually had quite a few responses. Um, a lot of people saying the tree doesn't go up to Thanksgiving. Melanie did call me out because we did watch Christmas Vacation Thanksgiving night. That's like tradition, though, here. But I get it. That's fine. I hate myself for doing it. Never again. Um, whenever I have time, time, but after Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving... Um, I think the consensus was yeah. after Thanksgiving. We had one one person say right after Halloween because a month is not enough time to enjoy all the Christmas stuff. Uh, there's no rule saying you can't enjoy Christmas and Thanksgiving at the same time. You can if it happens that way, but it doesn't. Thanksgiving just gets forgotten about. So, Tom, you're wrong. Sorry. You know, I mean, if there's a holiday to forget about, it's probably uh, Thanksgiving because it's a holiday celebrating about how immigrants 
killed the natives. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if you want to break it down. Yeah. So <laughs> if you want to go deep with it. I, I upset my wife this year. What did you do now? My wife is, she's a traditionalist when it comes to Christmas, and she loves real Christmas trees. Okay. And we just got brand new carpet in the house, and the last thing I wanted in this brand new carpet was tree sap and pine needles. So for the first time in her life, I uh, convinced her to get an artificial Christmas tree, and she's not happy with it. Well, I mean, she thinks it's pretty and everything and whatever, and she put all her ornaments on. I set it up for her, but it's not a real tree. Her mother is on the verge of disowning her. <laughs> she is in tears every night because it doesn't smell like pine in the house. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult situation, but my carpet is clean. You just got a new carpet, so you got to keep it clean. I know. What I, I have a solution. You can buy pine-scented candles and stuff. We have so many damn candles around the house. Last thing I'm going to buy is another well, smelly candle. I'm just saying, it might make your wife happy, but I'm in the same boat. I've always had a fake tree because I'm actually severely allergic. And even if we light a pine candle in the house, I will get sick. We, Melody did it that's a couple good years ago. know when you're pissing me off. Right? <laughs> Melody did it a couple years ago, like totally on accident. I didn't even think about it. I was sick for a month. And we got rid of it, and I got better. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so turned like, on and off by it. So, like, you light a candle and you're just sick for that day and she just lit it for an entire month type of thing? Or you she you were sick the entire month from lighting it once? No, like, she lit it every day. Ah, like, gotcha, gotcha. we didn't realize there was pine in it. We just thought it was green. And then all of a sudden, like, I got clicked. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm allergic to pine. This smells and like you're pine. you're not allergic to green. No, I'm not allergic to green. I can take all the green you want. But, yeah. Shana said it's not the same. I saw that. It. You know what? I, whatever. I did promise keep, her. Though, keep your real trees outside. You know, I did. Don't promise kill her, though, Christmas trees. When we, uh, when we get our future house, because that's all she wants to talk about. It's the future house. She could have two trees: a real one and a fake <laughs> one. Because we already have the fake one. She can keep the fake one and get a real one. Up. Pre-lit. Oh, of course. I'm not going to spend all that time. Color. Yes. Or clear. Okay. You want no. color? She's a. I don't really care. I'm okay putting up like a little three-inch Christmas tree like in the corner of a table. <laughs> That's not enough. So I let Shana do all the choosing because I'm not an idiot anymore most of the time. I like I like Christmas trees. Like I like putting them up and stuff, but we do clear lights. I don't, I'm not really opposed one way or another, I guess. Usually Shane will put I on. Do, I do a mix outside. Yeah, she'll probably put both on usually. She'll put a okay. couple strings of clear, a couple strings of rainbow. Word. Worst thing about Christmas lights, too, is you got that one stupid little bulb that's burned out, and the entire freaking strand doesn't work. Or, like, what I learned this year is if you put too many strands together, it blows. Duh. (laughs) Found that out last night. Speaking of blows, okay. You know what blow blew? The the light in my kitchen. (laughs) No, that's not where you're going (laughs) with this, but I'm very upset. Preach. So I have a... uh, um, fluorescent light in my kitchen. Yep. And as of yesterday, it started flickering really bad. Right. And as of last night, it started smoking sometimes when you turned it on. That's not good. No. So I think it's just the ballast is wrong with it, but electricity right. scares me. I don't tend to play with things I can't see. Just turn it off and then fix it. I am working myself up to that. <laughs> I hate getting electrocuted. 
<laughs> I've been electrocuted so many times. I'm, I'm sure it explains so much. Yes. I understand now why you have that really weird eye twitch. That's why you have to sit on this side because it's your right eye that's messed up. All right. So you know, <laughs> you want to know what really blue? What really blue? This match that we were live during on Friday. Um, because it took too long. No. Oh. Because Jameson unplugged the TV <laughs> right before the end. True. true. We Literally, sat there for four we sat hours. there for five hours. And they're walking up to the 22nd green, and my son's playing with a TV. I say no, and it gets unplugged. Never saw the end. I didn't even want to look at the replay because nope, I'd be so upset. Neither. But what did? What were your thoughts? I think it's a very good start. Mm-hmm. I think this is something that could be a really a leap-off point for – a plethora of different things. Mainly golf. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really cool. Yeah, obviously, Tiger Field's a good pairing to start with. Um, they're two of the legendary golfers from the current era. But in the future, and maybe as soon as next year, get some of these other golfers involved. Maybe get three, four golfers going at a time. Uh, maybe you can figure out a way to make it some sort of scramble. That'd be actually kind of cool. But make them golf, I don't know, 36 holes instead of 18 it's it's neat. I mean, Bleacher Report has some kinks to work out, obviously. I hear mm-hmm. they're giving away some uh, refunds because there was some lag time with some of the yep. streaming programs. But it was really cool. I liked it. I liked the idea of it. Didn't really like the uh, follow-through no. a whole lot. But you got to start somewhere. Um, Thanks for inviting me over to watch the oh, match. You're welcome. It was fun. I, I enjoyed myself. I... Like it was a cool spectacle to see, especially Tiger and Phil. I do think though, fifteen years ago they probably could have charged a hundred bucks for it and got it. Um, they're no, both easily. obviously past their prime, but I think the key to that match was when Tiger lipped out on number two, and he just didn't have a putter after that. But I should have put money on my wager. Oh yeah, Phil by, by one. one. Yeah, <laughs> right. Phil by one. He was up by one almost the entire day. Should have just went over to my local bookie and said, "Hey, right, hundred bucks." Tiger had the lead once, um, chipping on seventeen twice. He had it twice, twice, twice. Um, But anyways, they were the first two holes. I think they walked down from the tee box, talking and small chat and small talk and whatnot. It it was really kind of forced. I didn't really like. I mean, it was cool to see him talking, but how are the kids? Do you miss them? It was stupid stuff that I don't really care about. I wanted to hear him talking about golf shots and giving each each other crap. Um, there was only five side bets placed. Three of them were closest to the pin. One of them was on number one, and one was an eagle opportunity on a par four, which was not going to happen for a million dollars. I was hoping for more of $50,000, you missed this putt, or closest to the pin from the sand. Let's go drop some balls in the sand or something. I don't know. But I just I was hoping. So, like, Caddyshack. Yeah. It was a gimmicky event, and I was hoping they would make it more gimmicky. And I think that would have led to better reviews of it. It's a start. I'll give them that. It's a great start. I think it'd be cool to add a total of four golfers to golf together. Um, I think if you go beyond that, you're going to lose the interactions of everyone in between the holes. But it could be a yearly event. 
four guys get together, they go out, they golf, they put money on. But I literally asked me like, hey, you have to be willing to spend a million dollars on side bets. Uh, we want you out there talking crap. Like you need to tell them this because that's what would draw them to the TV. I was so excited to hear them talking crap to each other and the, all the side bets I was hoping they were going to make. And I was a huge letdown. I'm very disappointed. Um, moving forward, let's see what happens. It, it, like you said, it's definitely the start for something. But the lack of excitement, the lack of trash talk, the lack of interesting wagers, and the lack of suspense. Like, yeah, the suspense was cool going into all these overtime holes. But when you're throwing lights up and going from a – what was it? The They're going from chipping, the putting green. The putting green, yeah. Like, I, that's cool. It's weird. It's different. But – Let's do that. Make the course different or something. I don't know. It just, it's a good start, but it needs to be fixed. Those are my thoughts. I like it. I don't know. I think what would be really cool is if they expand this to other sports. Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine a three-on-three hockey tournament? Like you buy it for a weekend. You get mm. to watch 16 teams play a three-on-three hockey tournament yeah. for a weekend. Or... You do you could do KD versus LeBron. Who's KD? KD Kevin Durant. I know. Oh, I knew you said KD, but you're an idiot. <laughs> you wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't. You're the idiot of the show. <laughs> you're the punching bag. I throw my ideas at. So I have something to talk to you about later. After. Yes. Oh, okay. We're going to do a thing. Probably oh, not, man. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the world of college basketball last week, for those who don't, haven't seen or were living under no, a rock. I love college basketball. Uh, Gonzaga, number three, knocked off Duke in a thrilling win. It was not a blowout. Um, they came down to a last-second stop on a Duke shot. Um, again, college basketball is still young in the season. We're just getting through all the preseason tournaments and into the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Big Ten ACC, good time of the year. So still have to get into conference play and everything, but hey, I love college basketball. I'm excited that it's uh, it's got some thrilling wins and some thrilling action going on right now. I hate Duke. Oh, I hate Duke too. I to get that off my chest. I hate UNC. I hate you for hating UNC. I also hate... Um, not a fan of Syracuse. Not a fan of you forgetting to press repeat. I'm not a fan of. I did so good of, last show. Not a huge fan of Gonzaga, mainly because uh, what was that one greasy haired kid with the stupid oh. mustache that went there a few years back, played in the NBA? Adam Morris. Yeah, Adam Morris. Oh, squirrely. <laughs> I like him. Um, what else don't I like? It'll come to me. We can move on to the next thing. Okay. Um, so I heard today in the wonderful world of the NBA, <laughs> Dwight Howard might miss his fourth game in a row. Oh, crazy, you know. He's got a sore butt. His uh, <laughs> his official Where Where injury. is he playing now? He is playing for Washington, I want to say. Sounds right. Not yeah. that I really care. Yeah. Um, He's so yeah he's got a he's got a sore butt Dwight Howard has a sore butt or what would it say a gluteal tightness or something stupid like that bruises he's, got, he's butt hurt he's he butt is, hurt he is butt hurt talk about a player who after leaving the Magic has not spent more than three years on a same team he spent a year with L A three with Houston one with Atlanta one with Charlotte not even one with Charlotte I don't think um, and then Washington he just a complete flop at 32 years old just needs to retire 
hurt yeah himself. i think it's stupid he's butt hurt and can't play right um you know who else can't play leonard yeah. Fournette and Shaq lawson they were both ejected for throwing punches in the bills beat down of the jags yesterday but Fournette was suspended for one game versus the colts lawson was not at least yet now you have biased thought, so you can just hold your hold on. Either suspend them both, or don't suspend either. That's my thought. I think my biggest um, understanding, I guess, of why Lawson has not been suspended, or at least not yet. Fournette kind of went overboard in starting everything. I mean, he threw the first punch. He didn't throw the first push. He threw the first punch, though, when things get very violent after what he did. Obviously, everything was sort of around him and Lawson. But uh, my biased opinion is, Fournette, you're an idiot because you're on two of my fantasy football teams and I finally got you back from your damn injury. You're going to pull this stunt and you're going to be out for another game. I'm trying to make a playoff push in one of my leagues and now you're gone again. And I'm glad you just had two 20-point weeks just to disappear again, you bad person. That is his M.O. I, I don't care. If it, I mean, what's amazing, though, absolutely amazing, is once he got ejected from that game, look how bad Jacksonville did after that. Oh, he's they, the only... They need him. Yeah. He is, he is the catalyst of that offense. For sure. Bortles is not playing this next week. It's already been said that he's gone. Their offensive coordinator just got fired. They, they're the team that... They're literally a quarterback away. And it could be... An Eli Manning. I, I wouldn't say that. They were a quarterback away. Everything that's yeah, happened, they were. Everything they were. that's happened in their locker room so far this season, it really, I mean, they have just fallen to obscurity almost. Yeah. I mean, they are. They went back to what they have been for the first 20 years of their existence. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely terrible. But, Fournette, I'm very, very, very upset at you. What does your mom think? Not your mom. What's Fernet's mom think? You think? No, oh, <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know. Your mom's a, a very nice lady, but I don't really care what she <laughs> thinks on this topic. Thanks, man. <laughs> I just didn't. I mean, Leonard, come on, man. Okay, I'm done. You can you can move on. I'm I'm upset here. The next one's yours, man. I know. I'm doing a hundred things that I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> They're three and eight, man. The Jaguars <laughs> are three and eight. I could have told you that. Oh, that's frustrating. Sorry. You'll get over it. So, other news coming from NFL. Hugh Jackson, the once infamous coach for the Cleveland Browns, is currently coaching for the Cincinnati Bengals, another team within the state. What's even funnier is Hugh Jackson is being paid this season $4.75 million by the Browns, who we used to coach for, and a prorated $250,000 from the Bengals, who is currently coaching for. What's his position with the Bengals? Do you know? Uh, not the offensive coordinator, but like, like assistant to okay. the offensive coordinator, something stupid like that. I think it's ridiculous that he is getting paid more by the team that he's trying to beat than the team that he's coaching for. It's odd. Very it is odd. odd. And he was just beaten by his old team. Which is hilarious. Yeah. And they picked the ball off and they gave it to him on the sideline and they gave him crap the entire time. Oh, yeah. It was great. Funny to watch. It's good to see the Browns doing good. Um, 
Hugh, Hugh Jackson had to take the fall for it, but it looks like they are on the right path, I think. Yeah, they're doing all right. At least for the Browns' perspective, but you can also say that in the Lions' perspective, too, because we both suck. Lions' perspective would be an implosion of Ford Field. Yeah, or lack thereof. A lack thereof. They try, field. but they'd fail. <laughs> Just like Another the Silver Dome. <laughs> uh, congrats to Phillip Rivers. We're going 25-25 and 25 to start a game as Chargers take down the Cardinals. Rivers finished 28-29, of 29 and he missed his only pass after going 25-25 and 25 on his next possession. So I feel like it's a lot easier to go 25-25 for 25 when you only throw 29 times in an NFL game. And you probably only throw him like six yards. Yeah. I mean, it is Phillip Rivers. He doesn't have much of an arm left. No. But, but hey. But still impressive. The Chargers are still sneakily good this year. They are the second best team in LA, and no one even knows that they're actually in LA. Nobody knows there's a second team in LA. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Um, I hate Tom Brady. Oh, me too. That's all I'm going to say about that. You can say more about him if you want. Well, congrats to Tom Brady for becoming the NFL's all-time leader in total passing No, yards. screw you, Tom Brady. I'm not going to congratulate you. We knew it was going to happen. You're 172 years old. You're going to play another three seasons because your coach isn't going to retire yet. You're going to have more records that you're going to break, and it's going to be another thing about on Sports Center. Oh, what did Tom Brady do this week? We'll talk about you when you're done playing. Just like that. Yeah. I'm done with And the Detroit Lions are mathematically unable to make the playoffs. No, they're not. They still can. Oh. Mathematically. Did almost. you read this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> How are they? You're not good at math. How are they able to get in the playoffs here? Oh, they need to win out and they need other teams to lose. Hmm, that sounds like everything. They're still technically mathematically capable of making the playoffs. So they don't play. It's just like a 0.1% chance. Hold on here. They don't play Minnesota anymore. They play Green Bay one more time. Yep. So they need to beat Green Green Bay. They play Chicago one more time? Nope. No, they play Chicago twice. They need to beat Green Bay. Yep. Plus win out, which includes beating the Rams. Yep. And they need Green Bay to lose out. Minnesota to oh it, they need a ton of help. It's, they do play the Vikings one more time too. Actually, I was wrong. No, yeah, they played them in Minnesota and then they just played them at home. No, they played the Bears at home. They played the Bears at home. Yeah, yeah. Week sixteen. Oh yeah, that's right. Because it was a damn quarterback who only had seventy-seven passing attempts coming into the game in his yeah. career and outplayed Stafford. Of course, Lions fashion. I'll get into that later. But. Yeah, talk about your chips here, buddy. Well, hang on. The Pistons are in fourth in the Eastern Conference, and the oh, Wings are fighting cares. for a wild card spot. It's exciting still. There's something to Pistons, cheer about besides Pistons the Lions. Exciting. The wings, wings are exciting. All right. <laughs> the Wings are fighting for a wild card spot weeks before the All Star break. Hey, <laughs> they're playing exciting <laughs> hockey. Are oh, they, they losing are. five to two right now? They are. They're they're terrible yes, right but now. But they're there's something to look and watch. They're exciting. So, anyways, <laughs> on to my chips. Yes, we got to talk about your chip loss. So, John Bonamigo. He got fired. He got fired. 1-11 uh, this year. Uh, he was 21-18 and 18 entering the season, ended up going 22-29 and 29 in his four seasons. Um, he is an alma mater, uh, but they had to let him go. Um, I liked him as a person. I'm going to preface everything I say with Did that. Did you know him as a person? No, but we actually did have a lot of Twitter communication for a couple of years. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, diagnosed with tonsil cancer before he even co- started coaching a game. Um, ended up now cancer three for three and a half years, just actually as of yesterday, maybe. Um, so still very recent on that. Congrats. But this is hard. <laughs> He's an alumni. He only had four seasons. There's more to this than just John Bonamigo. I want to preface it with that. He only had four seasons. And he went 21-18. and 18. He only had one really bad season. He went to three bowl games. I do know no one's showing up. And he, when you're recruiting, he, has, he doesn't have the upper hand. When you're an 18-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid, and a gentleman, John Bonamago's age, comes in and says, you need to come to Central. And then you have someone from a rival school who is 35 and then full of energy says, you need to come to this school just by that factor. You're probably going to end up going with the younger coach. Okay. True. And being CMU, you're not an elite program. So you need that excitement behind your coaches. Now, my only thing about this is we need to stop firing coaches after one bad season. That's my only complaint of why they did it. One bad season. That was it. One losing season. That was it. It was really bad. It was really, really bad. bad. Really bad. But it was one Super season. Bad. Coach K, Roy Williams, Bill Self, Tom Izzo, John Calipari, Nick Saban. The list goes on. Scotty Bowman, Don Shula, Vince Lombardi. They've all had bad seasons at some point. And you just have to stick through them. Because if Coach K, who threw three seasons, only made the NCAA tournament once, was fired, Duke isn't what they are today. And I think that's something I, – I know why they fired Bono. I'm not saying this to defend Bono. There were other things that went into and involved him being relieved of his position. But I think we live in a society of immediate gratification. And I wonder, I just wonder, if it's starting to hurt the quality of coach and the results. Because they're not giving the time to develop. And I look at my Pistons, who haven't had a coach for more than three years since, like, the early 90s, compared to the Spurs with Pop. He's had down years, but they've stuck it out. And it's looking at teams like the Steelers and the Patriots, who stick with coaches. Tomlin's, what, the fifth coach in the history of that franchise or something like that, or sixth? Yep. And they stick with him. He had bad seasons. Guess what? Hey, we really like him. We're going to stick with him. We know he can win. And we know we can build a winner around him. And he can coach pretty much anyone to a winning record. And I think our Lions are a perfect example of, oh, we need to do better than 9-7. and Okay. But he only had, what, four years. So, I don't know. It's... I understand why Bono was fired. I liked him as a person. I'm a fan. I know I'm a fan. It's I live and die with Central as a program, basketball and football. Um, but I just think we need to let go of this immediate gratification and start looking into, hmm, maybe long-term this guy is the right jo- person for the job. You done? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, it's just, it's my thoughts. I don't know. No, no. I'm a big good. picture guy. Absolutely. Okay? I'm and just a big guy. 
and you look at teams like the Wings, Scotty Bowman, and well, I'm drawing a fart now. He's with the Maple Leafs. So th- this is my but. one one issue with it. So that was his fourth season. Yeah. So that means he had four years to get all his recruits in there. Yeah. So that means by his fourth year, he should have progressed to the positive, correct? Correct. In theory. In theory, yes. So you look at his progression, and it was not a progression. It was a digression. No, I know. It was, I got it right here, 7 and 6, 6 and 7, 8 and 5, 1 and 11. So the further he got in, yeah, he made three bowl games. Awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. He won one of the bowl games, didn't he? I believe. Yeah, the Bahamas Bowl. I think it was the first one. Yeah, because yeah. they went seven and six. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then his fourth season, when he's supposed to have all of his best players and all his recruits there, mm-hmm. he goes one and eleven. That doesn't show good for a four, fourth year coach. No, I know, I know. I get but, that. But on the other hand, I do kind of understand where you're coming from. But there's yeah. a huge difference between, uh, I guess, a football coach and a hockey or basketball coach or even baseball coach. Because with football, you have a very finite amount of weeks. And in those weeks, you have one game per week. And between those seven days, if you're not improving something, you're going to end mm. up losing again. Right. And you can't create any sort of momentum like you can in baseball like you can in, in hockey or basketball right because you get three four games a week sometimes so you really need to prove yourself in a short period of time when it comes to being a football coach mm-hmm. and that's something that we'll get into in our second half today with a, uh, a couple different things that i have a feeling about but i i, I see what you're coming from you got to stick with your bad coaches and yeah, yeah with a lot of these coaches they did have losing seasons I just looked up Coach K. He had not very many losing seasons, but no. he did have a few. And obviously, he's a Hall of Fame coach. Right. And he's very good. But again, it's a different sport. It's a different idea behind it. Mm-hmm. Central Michigan, along with a lot of these other coaches that are going to fire both in the NFL and NCAA, most of the time, not all the time, most of the time when they get fired, they will find another coaching job elsewhere within their profession or within their sport. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it might not be a head coaching position, but it might be some sort of special assistant. And they're still going to be involved within the sport. They'll be able to pass their knowledge on. These head coaches need to prove their worth much earlier on. And, yeah, sometimes you can do it because of the talent that you're given when you start your your position. Mm -hmm. Or if you have no talent, you have to make it up yourself. And if you're not, come on. In, right in and, college, in a college, it's way more pressure. Right, and he had Cooper Rush the first two years. Then he was lucky to get Sugar Shane Morrison transferring from U of M. Yep. So I get by now he yeah he needed to have his quarterback, but again I, I I I got blinders on when I talk about Central, and I will admit it a hundred percent is I, I'm a big chip and I like him, and he was an alumni, and it was awesome, and it was a great story. You know, it was it was a cool oh, story, beautiful story. But now I'm interested to see who they bring in. Um, and go from there. So, well, they're interviewing right now. I'll let you throw your resume up and down on the uh, uh, Packard Avenue there. Pickard. That's the one. Yeah. No, well, I didn't good. spend a whole lot of time. You know what's funny though? Because usually when I went to Mount Pleasant, I get past the casino. <laughs> With uh, so Enos left, he went to Arkansas. He is now Nick Saban's offensive coordinator. Yeah, I saw that. That makes me what mad. The hell? It just it's sour. It's like seeing. Uh, 
Jim Schwartz win a Super Bowl or who's the offensive coordinator for no, the Cowboys? Worse. What was worse when you saw Charlie Batch win a Super Bowl? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. As a like, dude, what, backup to the backup quarterback. He's like third string quarterback. No, yeah. he's second string quarterback. Why couldn't you be good when we had you? Well, he wasn't good then either. Right. <laughs> I, I still am under the belief that the Lions hire the best coordinators and just have don't know how to hire a head coach. Uh, uh, except for Cooter. I don't like Cooter. Oh, we, we, we've had some misses, but I'm saying, no, we're really oh, okay, good. yeah. No, I'm saying we're really good at hiring coordinators as head coaches that then go back to be good coordinators. Like, we make the mistake. Gotcha, like, gotcha, we find gotcha. good coordinators that are really good, and we think too much of them, too highly of them. You don't need to be – you need to be gotcha. more of a manager. So, hire Maybe. Schwartz as a head coach, and then he goes and – Becomes yeah. a coordinator. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. All right. Hang on. No. Okay. I'm through this. I had did so good last time. It was a long day. This is our stat yeah. slash fact of the podcast. Lots of snow. Long day. <laughs> long day. <laughs> so I'm starting to miss baseball a lot. I don't know. And since I miss baseball so much, I figured my stat of the of the, of the, of the, of the stat of the podcast should be baseball related. <laughs> <laughs> we need this break to come quick. <laughs> so, found something out today. In 704 plate appearances against Hall of Fame pitchers, Joe DiMaggio had a batting average of 335 with 32 home runs, 151 RBIs, and 38 strikeouts. So to break that down, throughout Joe DiMaggio's entire career, he faced a future Hall of Fame pitcher 704 different times, and he still batted 335. Wow. 32 dingers and over 150 ribbies. And only 38 strikeouts. He almost had as many home runs as he did strikeouts against Hall of Fame pitchers. There Granted, <laughs> the pitching back then wasn't as well, yeah. elite as it is now. I saw something else today. That if you look at Nolan Ryan in his prime, he would be just an above average pitcher in today's game. Wow. I mean, he threw the ball exceptionally hard. He did a fantastic job in the mound. He had a ton of wins. He had a ton of strikeouts. And he was very efficient with the ball. But what are you doing? <laughs> Somehow alerts are turned on this computer. So it's like your Amazon pick. Uh, thing is arriving tomorrow and it's telling everyone all the Amazon stuff that is coming to my house uh, <laughs> turn notifications off on Google Chrome so yeah Nolan Ryan would be an above average pitcher same with Greg Maddox and he pitched even later than Ryan did it's just amazing to me how the game of baseball evolves from generation to generation <laughs> This is our stat slash fact of the podcast. That was very interesting. I'm glad you played that because I was starting to rant. I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> no, that's all right, I really man. need to go to bed. That's all right. All We're right, not coming, even half done yet. <laughs> coming up, beer of the podcast. Snow causes anxiety for more than just single women. Hugh Hefner's in the news again. We talk baseball, Hall of Fame, fantasy football, and give you our week 13 NFL picks.
You can tell me later. <laughs> <laughs> you had a funny? Yeah. <laughs> An inappropriate funny? Yeah. We'll, we'll save that for later. I'll probably forget. I don't <laughs> want to write it down. <laughs> you don't want proof that it's out there. <laughs> All right. Not so this notebook following the wrong <laughs> We are back. Uh, beer of the podcast time. Uh, so as you all know, we are big Canarchy fans and big Perrin fans. And we found... In my little cellar thingy, a bottle of Perrin Damsel in Distress, and Matt said it is on point. So we're going to give it a whirl. Uh, October of 2016, it was when this release was. Uh, it's a German Rogan beer, Agent Rum Barrels, 10% ABV. Maybe we should explain to people what a Rogan beer is. Go for it. Uh, Rogan beer is a German style of rye beer. This is much, much stronger than traditional. Uh, with a lot of rye beers, you get a little bit of a... I want to say spiciness to it. Not like pepper spicy, but food, like spicy, different uh, <laughs> different <laughs> grains. Different <laughs> grains that, that, like when you have a rye bread, when you get that little spiciness to the rye bread, similar to the rye beer. I love rye bread. I do too. I love bread. I will go home and eat a piece of white wonder bread at times. I just love bread. No just, butter just in plain? it. Just plain? Just plain old piece of bread. See, I will do that, but I will do it with about a half a pound of butter on it. Oh, good. So... I'm not the most unhealthy person in this basement. <laughs> Your cholesterol is through the roof. Oh, yeah. So this beer comes in at about 10%. As Adam said, it's aged in rum barrels. It's odd that I like this beer because I'm not a huge rum fan, and this beer is delicious. That is the same for me, too, because um, the only liquor early I drink is bourbon, and I seriously cannot stand the taste of rum, but I've been drinking this beer since it came out. Um, I bought quite a few bottles because I liked it so much. And I, I honestly, it's probably been six months since I've last had it, so I'm excited to try it again. Cheers, brother. Cheers. This is the part of the podcast where everyone's at work listening to it and be like, oh, they're drinking right now. I'm so jealous. And mind you, we're recording this at 9.30 at night, so. On a Monday. On a Monday. Yeah. So. Don't be too jealous. We <laughs> have jobs, too. Right. That's why we do it at night. <laughs> In my basement. <laughs> So we studio. I got hey got I got add basement to my list of so that that song you just heard the that tune we are in the process of putting lyrics to the rap music. Oh, is there a mouse in your pocket? What we? I can't rap. Well, it's have be you. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> I was spin some good lines. I made Matt laugh. More to come. <laughs> On a, most, on a more somber note, um, we're all aware of the fires, campfire, 
in California. Um, it has officially been contained. It's still burning, but uh, they're reporting that 100% of the fire is contained. So that is fantastic yeah. news. If you haven't heard of this yet, I don't know why you've been in a rock or under a rock for or in a rock, I guess, the last two months. But it is uh, gone down in history already as the deadliest fire in the history of California. Over 14,000 residences were destroyed and charred. Um, it was an area the size of the Chicago that was destroyed, killed at least 85 people. Absolutely terrible. Sad, horrible. Thank you for all the firefighters and first responders that got as many people out safe as they could. Now, on a better, happier note, I guess, if one can be found with this, a uh, brewery that I've always really liked, and I know that you have a very strong affinity to some of their product as well. Yes, Sierra I do. Nevada Brewery, out of Chico, California. Yep. They have more than one facility, but that's mm -hmm. their main one. They are supporting the community out in California with an absolute abundance of, of assistance to people looking for just warm food, for water, for literally anything they need, clothing. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, absolutely amazing what they're doing for these people out in California, being able to help. Their brewery was almost uh, destroyed by the wildfire as well. They had to close it because the wildfire was getting that close to it. They took a picture, and you see all the fermenters and everything, and the fire burning in the background, and it was that close. So Sierra Nevada now, they are helping the community. They're giving back yeah. and doing what they can. They started a relief fund. Um, their own Sierra Nevada Relief Fund, and they already donated, already put in themselves, Sierra Nevada, $100,000. Um, Thanksgiving, um, them and a couple other uh, places, establishments inside of Chico um, hosted Thanksgiving dinner for evacuees and first responders for an estimated 15,000 people, all at no cost to the people attending. Um, and they are brewing what they call Resilience IPA. Um, and they're calling it a industry-wide collaboration beer with 400, 400 different breweries. So what they're doing is they're brewing this beer tomorrow, and, actually, yes, twenty seventh. And they are it's supposed to be on tap in the tap room and in cans early December in distribution in 2019. But they are brewing this and giving the recipe to anyone who wants it. And all they're asking is for support back and donating the funds and the profits back to um campfire fund they this this list i mean they just asked for breweries a couple of weeks ago and it's continually growing um Alice point cigar city devil's backbone dogfish head firestone walker green flash labat new belgium oscar blues founders jolly pumpkin lansing shorts virtue cider is getting in on this and they're continually adding more What's amazing that the beer community across the entire United States, they can come together and they can help each other out with something like this. They are giving back to the community of one, not small, very big brewery, but one brewery in California. All these proceeds are going back to the people afflicted by this fire. And that is, in, in all honesty, it's absolutely beautiful. They were able to bring together all these breweries to mm -hmm. help each other out, to be a community, to say, you know what, that's awful. Mm -hmm. Let's 
let's be the better people. Let's help each other out. Yeah. And let's make this beer and let's let's save some lives. For those who don't know, the beer industry at times can be very competitive, and you don't say, <laughs> and very one up upable. I guess uh, everyone wants to. That's a word. Yeah, <laughs> however you want to call it, uh, but it's. It's nice to see everyone kind of put their egos to his side and fight for the common good of the human race. And it makes me proud to be in the beer industry and work for a distributor who sells Sierra Nevada and a lot of these brands that are on board with them. So I'm excited. I'm very excited to try this beer. If we can get it in our hands, I will guarantee you it will be on our show as soon as possible. Um, I will yeah. be buying as much as I can. Oh, for sure. For sure. I have seen in the past month the sales of Sierra Nevada increased exponentially in the just area. because of this. We have accounts in the Great Lakes Bay region putting Sierra Nevada on tap and saying, nope, I'm donating 100% of my proceeds to the Campfire Fund. This is incredible what they're doing. It's driving the beer industry and the beer community to drink their product, which is great, but also basically donate their money. Which is fantastic because they need it. And it's all about helping your fellow man. Exactly. It sounds super hippie-ish of us, but it's no, totally it's, it true. so is. It's this is one of the things, man. It tugs on my heartstrings, and it tugs even more because it's in an industry, and it I can relate to it from the beer side. I'm lucky enough not to have to relate to it from the fire, but being on the beer side and seeing what everyone's doing, it's part of me, and it makes me feel very good about what I do for a living. I agree with you, man. I absolutely do. It's an awesome thing to see. All right. Change of pace. Let's talk about some things that are not quite so serious. <laughs> we got some snow last night. Dumped on and this morning. <laughs> Absolutely dumped on. So you, driving you, around in my little hillbilly you, hot rod all day was quite the adventure. You got totals yet at all or no? Yeah, it totally sucked. <laughs> so Good job. Here's my issue with snow. There's so many. You know what? It can be 30 below zero all winter. That'd be great. As long as it doesn't snow, because I hate snow. There's so many different types of snow. There's the slushy snow. There's the wet packing snow. There's the really heavy snow. There's the little wispy light snow that blows all over the place but doesn't drift. And then there's the really big flake drifting snow that's a real pain in the butt. So last night we had the wet slushy snow, and today it sort of developed into just the heavy packing snow, which meant by the time the melt started to get over and people were driving over to turn into ice. So by the time I got home to clean up my driveways, I wasn't going to do it this morning because we didn't have a ton of snow and I was going to have to do it when I got home anyway. My mother-in-law had already gotten stuck in my yard. There was ice tracks all over my driveway, and my snowblower spit that stuff out like it was a wet piece of paper. <laughs> it was miserable. I hate snow. And even better yet, it's supposed to be low to mid-30s the rest of the week, so most of that snow is going to melt. During the day, then at night, it's going to freeze. It's going to be a sloppy, crappy mess all week. Snow is stupid, especially in November. If I got snow from December 20, 20th December twentieth to January 18th, perfect. It's all the snow I need. Either for Christmas, for New Year's, for my birthday, perfect. And then I'm done. No more snow. It can be cold. It's fine. Last year, it was so cold that the drain that comes out of the back of my washer, it goes down the this little pipe on the exterior wall of my house. It was so cold 
That froze last year, and I had water all over my laundry room. I was okay because it wasn't snowing. It was just really cold. It sucked, and I swore a lot, and I was really mad. But it wasn't snowing outside, so I didn't have to finish cleaning that up and then go plow snow. All right, first official snow rant of the year is over. I feel better. Thanks for listening. You're welcome. If somebody turned our podcast off because of that, I apologize. This is reporting seven inches. I don't think we got that much. In spots. It was heavy, though, so I, yeah, I don't yeah. know how they measure this baloney. Probably with a... No. I don't like snow either, but shout out to my neighbors who, when I got home, my driveway was cleared off. Love you guys. My neighbor doesn't... Well, one neighbor doesn't clean his driveway out. He has a four-wheel drive truck and thinks it's invincible. And the other neighbor, he has a very old snowblower from the looks of it. And I always want to clean his out because... I mean, they're both very nice neighbors, but I always want to clean his out. But he always gets done his done first. And... All right, I feel better. I just... You know who else is really old and so old that they're dead? Oh, my God. That's <laughs> Cleopatra. <laughs> Hugh Hefner. Uh, he dumped a cemented <laughs> line casket full of sex tapes into the ocean. He didn't do this recently. This report. Well, he's he dead. Well... <laughs> <laughs> and now his stuff is up for sale. Okay, so a little backstory <laughs> to this. Um, Hugh Hefner has a foundation that he's been giving to for... I don't remember how many years and years and years. And it benefits hundreds of families with hundreds of different afflictions and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, th- this story here where he he apparently had slept with a whole bunch of A-list celebrities. And he had sex tapes of a lot of these A-list celebrities. And instead of them getting into the wrong hands... In the, uh, I want to say mid two thousands, early two thousands, he decided to go out in a boat with a casket lined with cement, filled with all of these sex tapes, and um, dumped them into the ocean, never to be found again. Hmm. So, that's kind of neat. I think it's neat, at least. It's very interesting <laughs> because I'm, I'm, the, I'm giving you nothing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's Hugh Hefner, man. Give me something. Right. Little, uh, I, I want to know if it's true. And I guess the only way to know if it's true is to watch the tape. So let's see someone watch those tapes and tell me the names of the people he slept with. Well, somebody's going to have to go scuba diving in an unknown place to find the tapes. Good. I'm glad. Go scuba diving. Don't tell me. You go scuba diving. <laughs> I don't want to go scuba diving. I'd get afraid. I'd be scared. You won't go on ice because you're afraid of falling in the water. Yeah. You won't go in the water because you're afraid of being no, in the water. No, I will go in the water. I would go scuba diving in shallow water. I don't want to go to the depths of the ocean. That's called swimming. Scuba diving in shallow water is not scuba diving. Yeah. if You're you're not diving. If, yeah, you can dive. I'd go like 10 feet, 20 feet down. But you're talking like in the ocean and hundreds and miles down. No, no, thank you. You asked. So when uh, Hef stuff gets sold, it is said that his personal stack of Playboys could fetch up to $40,000. What? It's a lot of Playboys. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> Smoking jacket? It's a very... Three to five grand. All the articles I have found on what's going up for sale is very abstract. doesn't really give me a whole lot of details. When is this going up for sale? 
That's the thing. I don't know. It was just announced yesterday that everything's getting put up for sale and everything's going towards Hefner's charities. We will update you on this story as we get more information because obviously they're still going to give us more information. Literally, I, everything I was able to find today was very... So there, his stuff's up for sale, or going up for sale, and there's a... Apparently a coffin filled with concrete and sex tapes in an ocean somewhere. Gee, you probably can't even, if you got them, watch them. It's lined with concrete. That's it might true. Might be airtight. We don't know. In the hmm. sea. Does it say where in the sea? Because <laughs> sea's kind of big. Yeah, They're especially not if it's saying. a capital C. Hey-o! <laughs> Good one. Oh, my God. I'm funny. No, this does not have a location. I'm sure someone knows the location, and that's why they're not telling everyone, because I'm sure there'd be a ton of people trying to go find it. Okay, and other news that I want to talk about. I tried to share this on social media a few days ago, and I couldn't get it to work. I don't know why. I probably screwed something up. But the 2019 official Hall of Fame ballot for the MLB has been announced. And in my opinion, out of all the first-year people on the ballot, there's going to be one unanimous first-year inductee, Mariano Rivera. And if you don't think he should be, I will give you my address. You come fight me. It's Mariano Rivera is the most deserving first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer that has ever existed. And if you think Griffey, if you say Griffey was going to be, no, get out of here. Get out of here. Come on. Eh, the only reason Griffey wasn't is because Levitard sold his vote to Deadspin. So? He still wasn't. I know, but I'm just saying that's why. Whoever I find out does not vote in Mariano Rivera, I'm going to write a very angry letter. He should be unanimous. 100%, 102%. Get an extra vote in there. One of the greatest pitchers of all time. One of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time. So His stats are record-breaking. Absolutely record-breaking stats. It's... It's a no-brainer. An absolute no-brainer. I have, I have nothing else to say. I'm lo- running out of words to say. No, I, but w- I'm looking at this on BaseballReference.com. So there are already ballots being sent in, correct? No. Then why is it saying percent of votes and total ballots returned? That's from... That from previous, previous years? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. So... They have to be on, I believe, 75% of ballots. Yeah. So the first ones you're seeing up there in that list, Edgar Martinez, he was on 70% last year, so he missed Very 5% close. of votes. Absolutely. So um, I think he will probably get in this year. Hopefully he does because he's running out of years. He's already on his 10th ballot. How many ballots do you get? Do you know off the top of your head? 15? Okay. Let's see. Maybe it's only 10. I can't remember. That's something I should know. Um, but looking at all the first year, I mean, I'll go through the list of the, the ones that really stick out to me. But Mariano Rivera, Roy Holiday, Todd Helton, Annie Pettit, Lance Berkman. Is it 10? 10. Well, it is only and 10. then the only way you can get in is through the alumni or whatever they call it. Yep. Absolutely. So, yep. 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 <laughs> Miguel Tejada, Plasto Polanco, Kevin Euclid, 
can't believe Block was already on there. Uh, Ted Lilly, Travis Hafner, oh, uh, John Garland, Rick Ankeel, along with a plethora of other ones. First, dude, this just makes me feel old. I know. Looking at all these, I don't know what you want to call it, um, just Hall of Fames and people retiring and seeing people in the league for however long they've been in, it just makes me feel old. Like, someone told me, I forgot who it was, uh, some player turning like 33. And for so long, I thought that was just so old. He's like, oh, yeah, he's turning 33 this year. I'm like, well, I'm 30, 31. What? Mm-hmm. Getting old, man. Yep. And it's just... It's a sad, sad realization. It is sad. Somebody is uh, um, younger than you or around your same age and way better than you at everything. Hey. I could still outsell anyone at beer. Eh, I'd like to put my hat in the ring. No. No shot. All right. Also, I'd like to meet the judges of that competition. <laughs> right, right. So, as we all know... Mariano. Uh, I'm done. Oh, yeah. Go no, I'm done. I just, I just want to Enter Sandman. <laughs> what? <laughs> he always came out to Sandman. Oh, I know. I just wasn't... I was done. Him. We were done. We were on the next thing, and you just... That's your Sandman. You done? Yeah. We're done. Okay. All right. As you all know, that's what you were saying. Michigan got clobbered by Ohio State this past weekend. Yeah. So, I, whatever, I'm over it. I'm upset. I'm disappointed. Matt wants to talk about Harbaugh. I'm going to let him do that. And then we are going to talk about some college football pools. All right. So, I have a lot of people that disagree with me. Jim Harbaugh is now in his fourth year of coaching at the University of Michigan. Jim Harbaugh is getting paid over $9 million a year to coach at the University of Michigan. Jim Harbaugh has yet to win the Big Ten East, which means he has yet to win the Big Ten Championship game. He is 1-2 and two in bowl games as of right now, and if he wins his bowl game this year, he will only be a 500 coach in bowl games at the University of Michigan. He was brought to the University of Michigan to put U of M back in the map. In a way, he has because he gets talked about all the time and we're doing it right now, but he gets talked about all the time because he is a former U of M player, came back, and now he's a U of M coach after another extensive coaching career at different schools and in the NFL. Couldn't cut it in the NFL, came back to the University of Michigan. He is supposed to be the savior of the Wolverines and is supposed to lead them into the greatness and the kingdom come. Well, I tell you what, he is a waste of money right now. He is in his fourth year of getting all his recruits. He finally found his quarterback. He's got his defense. He is still running his offense. That's the first mistake he's making. He needs to find an offensive coordinator. He's going to pay $9 million to run that offense into the ground. He finally came up against a good offense. And the good offense at Ohio State destroyed the supposedly really good defense at University of Michigan. The good offense that's supposed to be at Michigan could not perform against a mediocre defense at Ohio State. They have zero elite wins this year. They have two big losses to Ohio State and Notre Dame. They have done nothing again this year. They said their strength of schedule is great coming into the season, and yeah, it was, and it turned out not to be as strong as it was preseason. Harbaugh's a bust. I think, I know we just went on this big rant about um, not firing coaches after four years, and I think it's got to happen. He's got all his recruits there, and he's still not doing what he's brought there to do. He's overpaid. That's why he needs to go. And people say that it's bringing the University of Michigan to a good light again. 
It's not. There comes a certain point in college sports, more than professional, where the people say, well, bad publicity is better than no publicity at all. In college sports, that's not true. Not at all. And that's what we're seeing right now. So, yeah, you can call me a bandwagon or whatever, but these are 100% my own opinions because I don't get all those down south radio stations. He needs to go. He absolutely needs to go. He's overpaid and underperforming. If he was brought into the University of Michigan just to be as good as Penn State and Michigan State, okay, he's doing a good job. He was not brought into Michigan mm-hmm. to do that. He's brought into Michigan to outperform every other team in the conference. That's why he's getting paid what he's getting paid. And he has not done that. Right. There's a juggernaut down in Columbus that's causing lots of problems. And until he can beat them, I think he's on the hot seat. And I, he's only coached at places for about four years. Ron, year four, does he leave? Does he get let go? I don't know. I haven't thought about it enough to kind of give my take like Matt has, but it's definitely food for thought and it's something to consider. You can find a head coach and offensive coordinator, pay them $4 million a piece. You're saving $1.5 million a year to do exactly what he at Harbaugh is doing right now. Exactly. Yeah, he hasn't. He, cool, you beat Michigan State a couple times. 500 against Michigan State. That's not the one that counts in Michigan. In Michigan, you got to beat Ohio no, State. No, absolutely. I'm just saying. You're 500 against Michigan State. Yeah. You came here to beat Michigan State, and you're 500 with them. Yep. Not good. Interested to see what happens. Um, bowl season coming up. Uh, they've already had a couple people go to declare for the NFL draft and are leaving the team. So um, this happens this time of year. We'll see what happens moving forward. But it's definitely a story we're going to keep our ear to. And uh, if we hear anything inside our circles, we will let you guys know. I'm more in more squares than I am circles. <laughs> he can't fit neither. It's okay. All right. It's going to be a really big circle. We are, by this time next week, we'll have our college football playoff set. So this is our last chance. We're going to give you our final predictions um, from this year. I'm going to pull up our predictions from the beginning of the year real quick. Give me one second. Of course, it's going to take forever. Oop, I can't open that file here. That's why. Here it is. <laughs> No, if we were a good podcast, we would have had this before. before I just thought of it as we were going <laughs> through. I was like, oh, man. So I know for a fact that uh, some of my things have drastically changed, but my one and two has remained the same. Um, right now, if you look at my top four teams in this order. No, let's start at eight. Oh, Our start top. at eight. Okay. Hey. Open. Oh, here it is. Okay, so we had, you had State, Clemson. Oklahoma and Alabama. I had Alabama, Clemson, Washington, and Wisconsin. We weren't really even that close. Nope. <laughs> Got two right. Yeah. Two easy ones. <laughs> Anyways. So, number eight for me, UCF. Strength of schedule still is hurting them. Interesting. I'm interested to see where this goes for you now. Okay. My number eight's Michigan. They they don't have a game to be played, so they're going to drop a little further. Okay. My number seven's Texas. Ooh, Tejas. I put Georgia. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Number six, Ohio State. Number six, I put UCF. 
Okay. 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 I like how we're not explaining this, but that's true. <laughs> I, I don't have any explanation. You asked me to do it like an hour ago. Oklahoma. Because Oklahoma is going to beat Texas. Okay. See, this is where it gets interesting because number five, I put Ohio State. So that's your first doubt. Ohio State. Yep. Yours is Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yep. All right. Last one in for you. Georgia. So you think Georgia, Alabama, they're going to take – okay, who, who's winning? They're going to play each other in the AC or the SEC championship. Yep. And you think they're both going to get in? Yep. Even if Alabama wins? Absolutely. You think Alabama is going to get in with a two-loss Georgia team? No, I think Georgia's going to beat Alabama. Okay. Yes. Yeah, sorry. So you, okay. No, that's fine. That's I, was, fine. I was reading a text message from my wife at the same time. No, that's okay. fine. Okay. So you think Georgia's going to beat Alabama, yep. and they're going to have two one-loss teams in? Okay. Yes. That's cool. I, I put think, in, I, absolutely. Yeah. Did I go for number four yet? No. no. Notre Dame. Um, I have them dropping to number four just because they do not play a championship game. Number three. Notre Dame. He has them staying pat. I put Oklahoma. Okay. Um, like if, if they can win their championship game, uh, they have Texas, 14 seed, going to be a good game. I think they can get in, and I think they leapfrog Ohio State and Notre Dame. Notre Dame because they don't play a game, and Ohio State because of Ohio State's ugly loss to Purdue. I don't mind that at all. I almost had them at three, to be honest with you, but I put them down to five, obviously. And then number two for me is Bama, and number one is Clemson. Okay. I did those opposite just because I expect both of those to win out, and that's why I left Georgia out. Biggest reason I put <clears throat> Bama 2 under Clemson is because of the way they played against the Citadel. The Citadel. Because that first half better be taken into contention. Then they clobbered Auburn. Don't care. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so the big game, Georgia-Alabama, 4 o'clock, CBS on Saturday. That game has the possibility to completely reshape the top, honestly, the top eight. Everything we just did could all get screwed up. Probably will. We don't know what we're doing. All right. Let's make some picks. Let's bring Nate on. Alrighty, And we finally got Nate on the phone. My good buddy, Nate Cormier. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Al? Well, uh, I've uh, been interested in football here for a while. Know Matt pretty well through that. Recently, we've been in the same fantasy football league for the last couple of years. Um, we met in college, and uh, originally from Frank with Michigan, working my way backwards in this story. So <laughs> <laughs> that works. At least you're going in the same direction. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well. If you're ready, let's just jump right in the games. Yeah, sounds good. It's an inter- interesting slate of games we decided for this week. Uh, we're going to look at the Thursday night game first. New Orleans at Dallas. Nate, who do you got? Uh, New Orleans at Dallas was a good choice. Well, I see you picked the uh, major games of the week. Saints, I think, are just too good this year. And all Dallas is at home and in a must-win situation. Uh and they can a must win to continue 
to lead the NFC East, which is pretty weak this year. I'm going to still pick the 2018 MVP, Drew Brees, and the Saints in a blowout this week <laughs> against Dallas. I absolutely agree with you. Brees, I've said this every single week, Brees is on fire. He is killing it this year, and he's he's going to take this one. I don't think Dallas is anything as special as, as everybody says they're going to be. They're I hurting. can't believe they're in the lead right now, to I be know. honest, with the That's NFC unreal. East. Absolutely unreal. So, yeah, I agree with you. Drew Brees all the way, baby. Yeah, they haven't lost an away game, obviously. They haven't lost a game since losing to the Bucs. Um, Brees is just going to continue on this roll uh, until they get to maybe the Rams in the playoffs. So um, I'm taking the Saints. All right. Sunday, game of the week, Minnesota at New England. What you got, Nate? Uh, although New England and Tom Brady have shown vulnerabilities this year, uh, I can't say I'm going to pick against them at Foxborough. I'm going to give Gronk two touchdowns and a low-scoring <laughs> Patriots win this week. I, if, if I looked at this two weeks ago, I'd have thought the same thing. But Minnesota this last week, they really showed me something. They're starting to come on strong and right at the right time as well. I think they're going to win. Yeah, it's at New England and Foxborough, but yeah. Kirk Cousins is going to pull something weird out of this bag of tricks. No, I'm I'm taking New England. Um, Brady's five and zero at home this year. I if it was in Minnesota, I, I I'd be a little more hesitant for it. I just don't see a team going into Foxborough beating the Patriots, and we don't know what the weather's going to be like this time of year in Boston. On Sunday, Minnesota plays over half their games inside. I'm taking New England. Brady's a putz. Here putz. <laughs> All right, Sunday night game, Cormier. We got Chargers at the Steelers. Oh, boy. Uh, such an equally balanced game here with uh, two quarterbacks playing at such elite levels, both of them uh, on top of their game right now. And I really love that they moved this game, actually, to Sunday Night Football for everyone to see. But I'm going to pick Pittsburgh Steelers in a shootout in a narrow victory over San Diego. All right. I, I uh, like what you're thinking about, but uh, I don't agree with you at all. Chargers <laughs> is the second best <laughs> Chargers the second best team out of L.A. We talked about that earlier. And... They are, they're good. They're really good all around. I mean, they get a defense that's able to stop the ball when they need to. It's not an elite defense, but their offense is just a powerhouse. And I didn't see that coming this year. Absolutely not. And I think they're going to take it to Pittsburgh. It's not cold enough this weekend in Pittsburgh for Pittsburgh to win. I'm taking Pittsburgh. Um, Matt's going to make fun of me for this. Antonio Brown. <laughs> uh, but I just think being at home, L.A., traveling across country for this game. Uh, Pittsburgh coming off a tough loss at Denver. Um, the Chargers came off a easy win at Arizona, or versus Arizona. Uh, I'm taking Pittsburgh. I think Antonio Brown's going to have two touchdowns and push my fantasy team into the playoffs. <laughs> Good for you. Thanks. All right, Monday night game, Washington at Philly. Nathan. Uh, let's see. Washington took a pretty big step a pretty big hit this year, step in the wrong direction by losing Alex Smith for the season. And I think Philly's going to see that opening uh, to get into the playoffs with a loss by the Cowboys on Thursday night. I'm going to say Philly wins by a touchdown. All right. I agree 100%. I think Washington wins by a last-second field goal. You're on crack. <laughs> Who told you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Finally, Denver at Cincinnati. I don't know why we and, picked this game, but it's the most random yeah, game. This, it's, this was an even. interesting game, that is for sure. Um, with that being said, I th- and even though I'm going to stick with my trend here after the New Orleans game and stick with the home team, I think A.J. Green is going to come back this week and return as Tom Savage's favorite target. In a must-win, I think Marvin Lewis will figure out a way to get Case Keenum and the Broncos on their back. They win narrowly. I originally had Denver winning this game because their defense is still Denver's defense. But my one and only reason I picked Cincinnati is because I picked all away teams leading up to this game, and I want to pick a home team for once this week. (laughs) Other than that, I have no strategy in picking this game because I don't know. As much as I hate Andy Dalton, he's going to do something weird and win this game. I'm taking Denver, their defense. They beat up on my Steelers. Therefore, they could beat the Bengals. Denver. All right. <laughs> well, buddy, it was good to have you on. It was good to talk to and you. It's been my pleasure, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Look forward to the next time we can chat. Tell Yuli I said hi. <laughs> Will do. We... Nope, we just cut him off. <laughs> oh. I thought it was done, my bad. <laughs> I don't ever know. <laughs> That's right. Stop talking. All right, cool. <laughs> On to the next thing. On to the next thing. And the next thing. And the next thing. You're the next thing. Face the next thing. The next great thing. You got to talk. I'm playing with buttons here, man. All right, so this is probably our longest episode in a while, and there's a whole lot of nothing. So hopefully somebody cared to listen to the very end because I'll probably shut it off halfway through because I hate the way my voice sounds on the radio. And if you hate the way it sounds and wants to replace him, you can reach me <laughs> at madmusicgmail.com. Call or text 989-372-1391. 989-372-1391. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at madmuse and madmuse.com. Share our episode 21 Facebook post. You probably clicked on it to listen. Go share it. We'll bring you on. You can be just like Nate and be famous one day. And we'll be back on Monday. (laughs) See ya. That was the Matt Muse Show. Thank you for listening.